I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, joining me today, I have Michaela Osler, also known as Flyby. She is the uh, female self-supported fastest known time on the Colorado Trail, the Collegiate East. Um, she is getting her Master's of Fine Arts in Creative Nonfiction at UNM. She is, has also set the Appalachian Trail FTK for Mixed Unsupported. And she is a 2013 grad of the United World College of Montezuma in New Mexico. So that to me is just kind of cool. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. And I should say, it's just the FKT in Connecticut on the AT, not the whole thing. Oh, okay. Just the Connecticut. <laughs> I wish I had the whole thing, but... <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for having me on here. I'm so honored. No, well, now I'm rethinking that. It's only a small portion of the Appalachian, so I don't know. Oh, yeah, I guess I can go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. Thank you for, for uh, taking the time to join me today. Uh, so... I guess my first question is, because I know you do some running as well. Mm -hmm. How did you get into running? We'll start there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I come from a family of runners. My dad like ran track and cross country in college um, and like in high school as well, I guess. And so, and my older brother was like a good runner. Um, he like was on the varsity team and I got to high school and I guess I don't know. I think it was just sort of like understood in the family that I would also run, but like I was not a good runner. <laughs> um, I was running like 29 minute 5Ks and like, um, uh, yeah. And I mean, I think it was just, I just, I mean, I'm, I think I do terribly at short distances. And also, I just didn't really like feel like I wanted to try hard. So I, that is how, but I think. So that's how I started running. That's the first time in my life I ran regularly. And I think I sort of like took a break, but then like in college was kind of feeling like I needed to do something for myself. And so I started running sort of like sporadically in college. And then um, I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail in 2016. And I think after that, I started really um, like I got in great shape and for the first time in my life, like was okay at running. And then it was like, oh, wow, this feels good when you're good at it. <laughs> so that's, I guess, how I got into running longer distances and stuff. It is definitely a little bit different when you fill in shape, like, oh yeah, this is easy. Like two miles, three miles, four, you know, and up to crazy ultra distances. <laughs> uh-huh. But it definitely, it, it feels a lot different than when you're, you know, young and every mile is just painful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Same with hiking, actually. Like my parents were always taking me on hikes when I was growing up and I like hated it so much. And I think it's just because I had these little legs and I was trying to keep up with, you know, adult legs. <laughs> but yeah, hated hiking as a child, but now I'm kind of into it. So. <laughs> When, and you grew up in Vermont, right? I did. I did grow up in Vermont. And so what's what's the hiking like out mm. there? Because I don't, you know, I'm I'm mostly been here in New Mexico, mostly, you know, West Coast. I don't I don't get to the East Coast very often. So what is what's the hiking like out there? 
it's hard. It's rocks and roots. Like a lot of the trails aren't really built for pack animals the way they are out here. So a lot of the trails like don't have switchbacks. Like they just go right up a stream or like just, wow. um, yeah, like between one peak and another peak rather than like, you know, trying to save your elevation. So it's a, uh, it's, it's hard. I remember coming out here because um, I came out here for high school and like hiking on the trails out here and being like, what? Like a switchback? <laughs> this is amazing. So. <laughs> that That's pretty awesome. You know, you talked about your, your family being hikers and kind of getting it in, into it through that. And I know in some of the other interviews and podcasts you've you've been on you've talked about your your dad especially kind of really being a push for that but that both your parents they actually met hiking right they did yeah they met on top of a mountain <laughs> that that's pretty amazing that your i guess you know where you're at now kind of stems from that whole like <laughs> your parents met on a mountain and here you are you know, running mountains, hiking them through hiking. I mean, does it feel like it was kind of meant to be? <laughs> That's an interesting question, actually. I've never thought about that. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I think they totally like gave me just sort of like a leg up and like sort of, I think this stuff can be really scary to get started with. And yeah, I mean, I feel like super lucky that I had parents who kind of like were able to just like get me started with some of the like basic gear and like basic like comfort and knowledge with like what it's like to be outdoors. Cause I feel this now when there's like a, like an outdoor activity that I'm like, Oh, that seems interesting, but wow, I could, I wouldn't even know where to start, you know? And I think that backpacking can totally feel that way too. Um, or even like running the long distances. So yeah, I think they've just been immensely helpful and immensely supportive. And I think it's great, you know, whether it's, running or hiking or whatever when your parents are more involved and more active with that then obviously that's going to trickle down to you and you're going to feel mm -hmm. like maybe not that but like okay i should do something i should be active because you know you get used to seeing it, it normalizes it mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and like you said it just like it gives you that that leg up which i um i'm sure that's what definitely kind of helped move you forward when you felt kind of you know anytime you felt lost probably like Oh, well, this is always a <laughs> comfort. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I think like being able to say like, yeah, I want to go backpack through four months or yeah, I want to go like, well, I think my mom still is kind of like, I don't understand why you're trying to set speed records, but um, I think she like has enough of a general idea about like what it entails that we can like talk about it intelligently. <laughs> You know, the speed records part to me is is rather interesting mm -hmm. uh, because it, it does kind of blend into that ultra running world, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so what I guess what is the the commonalities between ultra mm -hmm. and through hiking? Um, that's a great question. And I think because I think it's also good to differentiate between like normal through hiking and then through hiking on a record attempt as well, which yeah. is, um, has more in common with ultras. I think like the science of ultras becomes more like applicable in terms of like nutrition and rest and like managing with sleep deprivation, et cetera, et cetera. That, yeah, I think a lot of what I was thinking about in 
the little planning I did. And then while I was on trail and trying to like problem solve and stuff and strategize had to do with ultra running. But um, I think, I mean, I think through hiking is, I don't know. I feel like there's a, a huge difference between doing something in a race and doing something on your own. Um, I think they like, each has its own mental challenges. Um, and then obviously like when you're doing something self-supported or unsupported can be more physically challenging than if you have, but in, on the other hand, I think you challenge yourself like in a purely physical way in a race when you have a pacer and, and aid stations in a way that I, I like, it's a lot harder to do when you're self-supported or unsupported because you're like, um, you can't just like hike through the sleep deprivation. Like at some point you're like putting yourself in danger. Um, so I think those considerations about safety and danger and come into play a lot more with the through hiking. But I, I mean, basically my training is the same. So like my training is to run, um, whether I'm trying to do an ultra or trying to, you know, do something long and hard on a mountain. So <laughs> in reading some of the interviews you did, you talked about not really doing a whole lot of training leading up to the to the Colorado FKT. But ideally, I mean, how do you train to cover 400, 500 miles in 10 days, like in an ideal situation? <laughs> yeah, well, don't injure your IT band like six months before. Um, that's the first recommendation I have. Um, and then do also don't have a pandemic come when you're in the middle of PT. Um <laughs> Direct recommendation number two. Um, no, I mean, I think I'm sort of, I'm training for something similar right now. And I've been doing, I mean, my, I have been like aiming for like 60 to 70 miles a week, but sometimes it's been more like 40 or 50 because I'm also in grad school and it just has been chaos. But, um, you know, and I think it depends a lot on like, I've been trying to train on like similar terrain to what I'll be going on. So for something like the Colorado trail where that trail is like, so beautiful um like it's just like the most well-built trail ever like i got my feet wet once like there were bridges out for every single stream crossing except for one where the bridge is out you know and like that's like so well switchbacked and stuff like i think for that i mean i i like i say i hadn't trained and i i had not in a way that i would be like wanting to and be proud of um but i definitely like sort of maintain a base level of like you know volume in terms of mileage and I, I would have wanted to do a little bit more with like elevation and probably train more with like my pack on my back but you know we really just take what we can get and we just work with that <laughs> well I mean it obviously worked well for for this one I mean you beat it by almost five days mm -hmm. um so that worked out we'll get back to that but it is it's crazy to me as someone who's never really done an ultra or done like you know uh through hiking for like fkts or really like a ton of through hiking that your like goal was you know 60 70 miles a week running when mm -hmm. i'm like i know people who train for that for you know just running a 10k like it just yeah. the the it doesn't seem to match in my head <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I think like, I don't know, like how much more you can train. Like, um, 
But I think that's I think that's what can scare some people off, right? They think like, oh, well, I'm doing all this miles just for a 5K or just for a 10K. What would I have to do for an for an ultra? And that's I think where it can get that like mental yeah. stoppage of, well, oh my god, I need to run, you know, 200 miles a week or something. <laughs> I don't think that's really, unless you're like a professional athlete. And even then, I don't know if our bodies can really handle that. Um, I mean, I do like a longer run. Like I do a, short, a lot of shorter stuff in the week and then something really long on the weekends a lot. But I guess it's similar. I don't know. I, I Maybe they're actually stronger than me because they like do well with their speed work. And I do not. <laughs> so. It, it, it is just completely different. It just always... Like I said, it, my mind goes in, in weird places with this because I'm so fascinated by it, but I don't I don't really truly understand it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what there is to understand. It's just <laughs> doing the thing until it's done. I don't know. <laughs> just get kind of bored a lot. I listen to a lot of audiobooks. <laughs> you make it sound almost easy. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, just hanging out and running, you know, man. <laughs> what is there that's hard? No, I don't. I, I mean, actually, like, I don't want to be too. Um, I understand that it is difficult and intimidating, but I also like want people to not feel like super intimidated by it because I have been intimidated in my life. And it's kind of special when you realize like, oh, no, I actually can do this. Um, and I think people can do it. <laughs> I think that's a great message. I think. I think there's a lot of different entry points mm -hmm. to this that, that can help you get comfortable with it for sure. Mm -hmm. Whether it is, you know, going and trying to run a fast 5K or do it through hiking or, or do an ultra, I think there's different levels. You know, like you said, you don't have to be the best at it, right? You just have to yeah. go out there and, and just try and just have fun. And I think that's actually something, I mean, I don't know a lot about the, sh the short race world. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, normal length race world. But I think that is something that's felt similar for me between ultra running and, and through hiking is like, I feel like the vibe at an ultra marathon is so often just like, wow, go you for completing this. Um, rather than like, oh, well, you should be embarrassed you didn't come in first. <laughs> I think through hiking is just, I mean, everyone's just kind of hanging out on the trail. So, <laughs> I mean, some people do turn it into a race, but yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, just hanging out with people on, on the trail. And, you know, one of the things that you talked about multiple times was, you know, two pretty famous people that you met on the trails during your FKT, who, I mean, basically, and you just ran into just <laughs> one trying to do their own thing and the other one just out for, a, I think, a morning whatever, which is, I mean pretty amazing and then they they just stopped and, and chatted with you um do you want to talk about about that for a minute your your uh, yeah yeah i can talk so courtney dewalter was one of them um and she like was as some people know trying to set the supported fkt on the colorado trail um going the opposite direction from me and so halfway through my hike i started getting messages like courtney's gonna be on the trail and um like, obviously, I admire her so much, um, I think, as, like, any most women in ultra running do, because she's just, like, so badass. And also just, like, I think helps me think a lot about, like, not limiting what I think is possible, like, based on my gender. Um, 
so yeah, I was, it was sort of the middle of the night. Um, I was hiking along and I thought she'd gone past me because I, my headlamp had died and I'd like gone to sleep and I was just like, it's fine. I won't meet poor Nita Walter on this trail. Like that's not really why I'm out here anyways. Um, and so I just like, wasn't really expecting to see her. And all of a sudden I look up and there's these like huge bright lights. Like she, <laughs> I don't know, like either her or her pacer had like the headlamp and the like Kogala like, <laughs> belt lamp. Um, and then someone else just had, like, you know, they have like, Cause I had this like dinky, tiny little headlamp. That's like an ounce, you know? <laughs> and so I like these huge lights and I like screamed. <laughs> <laughs> and, but then they were really nice. Um, and I actually saw her recently. I was pacing someone at, um, or I actually didn't end up pacing, but we were crewing a friend at the Cocodona 250, which was like a marathon out in, or an ultra out in Arizona. Um, and she was there also pacing and crewing and I like said hi to her and she was like, Oh wow, great to see you now that we like have our minds in order or something like <laughs> now that our brains are working. <laughs> yeah. Cause we just, I, I mean, I don't know what was going on in her brain, but I was like such a zombie and like, I, I don't even know what I said to her. I, was, I had lost my sleeping pad and I like told her about that. And then I was wearing shorts cause it was kind of warm. And she was like, do you have pants? <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that much of a mess. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was me and Courtney. Um, my big celebrity moment. But no, it was, I mean, that's so inspiring. And then is the other one you're talking about, Olga King? Yes. Okay, so <laughs> Olga is the current record, or I mean, no, the previous. Well, so actually, I should t say, um, so Olga had the record before me. She set the women's record at like, 14 days and change or something like that uh, maybe close to 15 and we had communicated on Facebook because kind of the etiquette around these things is that you reach out to the person whose record you're thinking of trying to break um, and, and sort of tell them and she was super supportive and like she also told me and I think like this makes sense to me that her um, you know she just kind of set a record because there wasn't one and i think she was pretty much like you can definitely do this a lot faster <laughs> so that was kind of encouraging to hear from her and right before like actually while i was on trail someone else finished a hike in about a day faster than than um um olga so her name's Marilyn, and she like Anyways, it was a little bit of a thing where it was like, everyone was like, Michaela beat Olga's record and then poor Marilyn got like, lost on oh. the shuffle. <laughs> um, so she also had the FKT for a couple of days. Um, and anyways, Marilyn or Olga. So I like was doing this thing where I would like camp at the beginning of the night and then sleep for two hours and then wake up and then hike in the middle of the night and then sleep another two hours in the morning and I couldn't find somewhere to camp. So I just like, you know, it was the middle of, it was kind of like 3am. And I was like, who was going to come here between now and 5am, you know? So I just slept in the trail. And first I woke, I woke up because I heard footsteps. And I was like trying to get all my stuff like out of the trail. And this woman like comes around the corner, like with also one of the belt lights actually. Um, and I was like, wow, this must be an ultra runner. Um, and like the, what I knew about Olga King is like, I'd seen photos of her with this like full suspension like huge or not huge but like huge in my mind as like an ultralight person um like osprey backpack and i knew she ran ultra marathons and i knew that she was like 
Russian or like from Russia. Um, so this person like came like full suspension, ultra like backpack, have the light like you do marathons, and then like spoke to me with a Russian accent, and I was like, it couldn't possibly be overcame. <laughs> like um, that would be so weird, right? And but then she messaged me on Facebook a couple days later and was like, did I like step over you this morning? <laughs> And so that was how I found out it was her. And that was actually, I don't know. I think it's really special. I have like a lot of respect for her for like going out and establishing a women's record. Um, and just, I think like fewer women try this than men um, for like a lot of great reasons. And yeah, I think it's just like even having a record there like matters to me in terms of recommend, like, yeah, representation. So that was, it was really special to meet her. I had a nightmare about her too. The night before I <laughs> lost my socks and I had a dream that I like, that she had stolen my socks and then she like appeared in real life. So, so I think the sleep deprivation unlocked my psychic abilities. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it. That's, that is a, that is a weird premonition. Yeah. But you had you had all your socks after though, right? Yeah, I had all my socks. Like she, you know, I don't know, real life Olga might have like <laughs> organized it. So <laughs> and I know I know you've you've shared those stories many times, but just listening to them, I I just had to hear it from you again because it just they're it just it's kind of cool like to be out on the trail and and to run into these other amazing women while you're mm -hmm. trying to do this other amazing thing and mm -hmm. um you know I think there's there's a lot to be to be said on that and. Mm -hmm. Um, and running into people like that, that are sharing not just the interest, but have done what you're setting out to do. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I feel like that's, that had to have been pretty amazing. It was really special and really inspiring, especially I ran into Courtney kind of right before the last like hundred mile push, which I did with almost no sleep. And I knew that she'd done the first 70 miles in like 17 hours or like something ridiculously fast. Just Cause it's like you gain like, a ton of elevation in 70 miles, you know, and she just like did it so fast. Um, and so when I was doing that and I was doing it like the downhill version, I kept thinking about her and being like, Courtney did this so fast. Like I can do it too. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just both of them, it's really special. And I just like a lot of women actually out there. I like met some women who are through hiking too. And some women who were doing trail magic and like, I got these awful blisters and this woman like, gave me wool to put on them. Like just, I don't know. I felt really special to be um, just out there and, you know, meeting some really badass outdoors women. <laughs> and that, I mean, that is cool. You know, the people on the trails just, I mean, just how out hiking with my own family and stuff are always just, you know, generally so nice. And, you know, I have, I have, been at one ultra race and everybody was so friendly and you know and and it is different from from road racing you know mm. depending on where you're at you know if you're if you're kind of in the fun runs everybody's out there and just having fun but if you're out there to like be in the top it is like you know you take a spill they're not even gonna look back at you you're like <laughs> someone's got you <laughs> yeah you'll be all right <laughs> yeah I don't know. Maybe it's like that at the front of an ultra run, but I think a lot of times it's like, yes, like the time I spend like giving this person a hand up, like it's going to sort of even out over the course of 24, or 48 or 72 hours. So. Right. And, 
you know, you talked about finishing that last push, that last um, 70 to 100 miles with almost no sleep. Like, I mean, I guess that's the other thing about, you know, doing something like this unsupported um, or self-supported, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're by yourself and you don't have, you know, that person next to you or you don't have those those tents you can stop at it and ultra run like there's obviously no one you know coming behind you to pull you along either so mm-hmm. <laughs> other than that motivation how do you just keep yourself going forward well um in that case uh my partner troy was picking me up at the end and he had to be back at work on monday morning so i like had to finish by sunday night <laughs> um, which was actually in the end, I think I pushed myself way more because I like had a hard deadline that I had to finish by that was totally out of my control. Like I couldn't just be like, oh, it's okay. Um, Cause it was not okay. You had to be at work. <laughs> so there was some of that. And I think just like, I don't know. I think I didn't want to feel like I didn't want to finish it and feel like I had left something behind or like I had not done the absolute like hardest I could possibly do. So, but sometimes it was hard. There were times in the night where I was like walking like one, like two miles an hour and just kind of like, I remember one night I just was like stopping, like staring up at the moon a lot. (laughs) Like, you know, I just, sometimes it was harder to push myself than others. I just, I mean, that's so amazing to go into that and just know that you, that you have to, right? Like, and I mean, I know there's places off the trail that you can jump off and and Mm -hmm. towns and that where you can kind of exit. But I mean, if you're in between places, you're on your own, right? Until. (laughs) I mean, I could have like, I guess I could have like stopped and like, just been like, I'm quitting and laid down and slept. (laughs) (laughs) That would have solved a lot of my problems. (laughs) Because I think it wasn't so much like needing to be off of the trail so much as like just wanting to go to sleep so badly Um, and just constantly like sort of um, negotiating with myself like, okay, like if you push really hard right now, like you can sleep for an extra 20 minutes or, you know, okay, a five minute nap in the dirt, but then you go for another three hours. So, (laughs) yeah. How much? I'm assuming you slept on the uh, ride back down. Oh yeah, I actually. So Troy came in his truck, um, and so I slept. I I passed out in the, and I was my feet were so swollen. I just like didn't want them on the ground, so I had them like up on the dashboard. And then he was kind of tired driving too, so we stopped. Um, where did we stop? Maybe like Gallup. Um, anyways, we stopped somewhere along the way and he like got out, he like went to sleep in the bed of the truck for like a couple hours. And I like, cause I could take my seatbelt off. I flipped around and was like upside down in the like reclined truck seat, like trying to elevate my legs. Um, and yeah, just slept and woke up and ate and slept some more. And Yeah. <laughs> I'm almost surprised you didn't wake up thinking you were still on the trail and felt like you needed to go. <laughs> oh, I actually did. I mean, I feel like I remember waking up. Oh, oh, the police came. Um, <laughs> Troy was like sleeping in the back of the truck in like some random parking lot. So like, 
yeah, the, the police were there being like, what's going on? And he was like, I'm so sorry. I just was like drowsy while I was driving. Um, and I don't think, because I didn't really like, I don't know what would have happened if he would have like come and found me like upside down in the front seat. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, mostly just interacted with Troy. So that was jarring. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing though. <laughs> Yeah, that was weird. And I was just so hungry and so, like, tired of wearing my same dirty clothes. And yeah. I I saw a picture on, uh, I can't remember, one of the interview things where you were, you had a giant, like, a large pizza in front of you. Is that what you ate afterward? Yeah, he brought me pizza, veggie sushi, um, various types of seltzer water. Uh, he brought me flowers. Yeah, those, what else did he bring to eat that was so good? I don't know, there were chips, like, <laughs> I just wanted, um, yeah, the pizza was so good, oh my god, and I, I just, so I had this thing happen to my mouth, like, I, maybe because I was eating too much sweet food, or like, it's unclear why, but my mouth was like super raw, and I had like sores all over my, or like bumps, like painful bumps all over my tongue, and all of my food that I had was like cliff bars, and like, it's either really sweet or really salty and just like all I wanted was like plain bland bread you know (laughs) and I couldn't eat that so having the pizza at the end was kind of like oh yeah this is just kind of kind of bland (laughs) that's exactly what I want to eat did you were you able to talk to him on the trail and tell him that's what you wanted yeah I called him and he was actually um he came up the day before because he wanted to do some hiking in the area. And he was like, oh, like, should I hike by and see you? And I was like, you cannot come near me. Like, I will quit this trail. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I see you, if I have a way out, like, <laughs> yeah. Now, how did you two actually meet? Oh, well, we met on the Appalachian Trail. We were through hiking the Appalachian Trail. We met, um, so actually, two other New Mexico ultra runners, Ella and Jeff, um, whose last names I, I don't actually know because I know their trail names, which are Smoochie and Orange Pig. Um, but anyways, they live in Santa Fe and I met them one day. So I was going pretty fast on the Appalachian Trail. It was my third like really long hike. This was in 2019. And so I was going really fast and like, I don't know, I would often meet people who'd be like, oh, like, I know someone who's hiking fast, you should hike with them. But a lot of times the person who they knew who was hiking fast was like, um, I don't know, like, I I didn't really want to hike with them, or they like weren't hiking as fast as I like hoped. But so anyways, these people, Ella and Jeff, I met them and we hiked together for a day. And it was really sweet. And I was like, wow, I'll have friends in New Mexico after this. Um, And they were like, oh, there's this guy ahead. He was going by his trail name was Tortuga back then, but then we changed it to Yard Sale, which I think is way better. Um, so, anyways, they were like, "We know this guy," and they like tagged us. There's an Instagram post where we're tagged together in it because Ella was like, "You should be friends with Michaela." Um, and then I kind of forgot who he was. <laughs> and then a couple days later, we like met him, or he was like interacting with me on Instagram, and I was like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> But then a couple days later, like finally I caught up to him and then we started hiking together. I thought he was cute. Um, And then when we set that FKT in Connecticut together, that was sort of when our our romance started. That's how we fell in love. Um, And that's it. That's, that's, that was all, you know, that's 
I don't know what, two years ago now and still in my life. So <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. And I mean, I guess he must've been fast enough to keep up with you too. Barely. <laughs> no, he was. <laughs> he was absolutely fast enough to keep up with me. <laughs> you know, that's it's pretty amazing that you talk about your parents meeting on a mountain and then, you know, you meet him out on a trail. Slightly different circumstances with some technology involved, but <laughs> yeah. that, that's still, I mean, that's still pretty ama amazing. Yeah, I guess it's a good good place to to find a person. Right. <laughs> All these kids on Tinder really are missing out on the mountaintops. <laughs> That's really where it's at. <laughs> I mean, if you can spend 24-7 with someone on a trail, I mean, you know that <laughs> it's got to be something, right? Because that's a yeah. long time. Well, yes and no. I think... Um, like, yes, but also I think the trail is a little bit like a vacation. Um, and so I think that, like, it's definitely a process of, like, getting to know a person, like, when they're stressed about their job and, like, when there's, like, dirty dishes involved <laughs> that, like, the trail does not um, <laughs> totally, like, let you know about. I, I see you say that and then I hear you talking about, like, sleep deprivation. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't know. This sounds pretty pretty comfortable well, I wasn't to me. so sleep deprived on the AT like that I was kind of just I mean I okay. was doing big miles but um yeah there were there were we slept we would go to town every couple of days and, and sleep in a hotel or and we were eating better I think and just generally <laughs> having a better time <laughs> so let's go back let's talk about your journey to New Mexico mm -hmm. so how did you end up, I guess, first at, at the World College in New Mexico? Um, weirdly, a lot of, like, a number of people from my high school in Vermont had, um, so, I mean, should I, like, explain what the World College is a little bit? Yeah, there's probably some people who don't know the whole process. <laughs> okay, so yeah, let me, okay, I'll back up, like, three more steps, and then we'll get to that step. Okay, so um, the World College, United World College, is in Montezuma, New Mexico, which is right by Las Vegas, New Mexico. And it's an international school. Um, it Students go there for their last two years of high school. Um, and I don't know about the numbers now. When I was there, it was like the about a quarter of the student body was um, American. And then the rest were international students. Um, and it's part of sort of like an organization slash movement um, that has, you know, like a little over a dozen schools all around the world. Um, that are like also United World Colleges um, and we'll have a pretty similar like ratio of students from the country and international students. Um, and it's all about, you know, using education to advance like peace and sustainability it has been around. Interestingly, it was founded by Kurt Hahn, the same guy who founded Outward Bound, um, which is like a fun connection that a lot of people don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, this has been around since kind of like after World War II when everyone was like, maybe we should you know, be nicer <laughs> to each other. Um, and so the way it works for Americans, um, or the way it worked in my time, and I think it's changed a little bit, was basically like this guy, Shelby Davis, funds 50 full scholarships to these schools for American students. 
And you, as an American, you apply and kind of like rank your preferences. And then, then they send you to the college that they think is best for you. Um, and so I applied and I didn't rank any preferences. Um, and they sent me, and since half the Americans, like, you know, so it's like 25 Americans get sent to the ones to New Mexico and then half 25 gets sent abroad. And so I was sent to New Mexico, uh, which was great. I, which was like, I think when I applied, I was kind of like, really like into the idea of like being at a school somewhere abroad. Um, but I came from Vermont and like moving to New Mexico was definitely like, I mean, I think like Vermont and New England in general, like how to say this, like, I don't know. I feel like it's like a history and geography and demographic. that's like pretty normalized in America. And like, like the idea that like America was like the like colonies and then like, revolutionary war and then you know like I, I kind of had never really like questioned the idea that like there are like other places with like vastly different like colonial histories and then like vastly different like demographics and like just um and even just like landscapes like I hadn't really thought about like the desert a lot <laughs> so I think like and moving to New Mexico was pretty important to me and how I think about the world like just being somewhere in the U.S. that's so different from Vermont and I just like I love it I I mean I like when I got the opportunity to come back here for grad school I was like really really happy I didn't even I mean I was talking about this a little before the show right but like that I like went on this hike on Hermit's Peak and like just I I have like right when I had moved back here because I moved back here like two years ago you know and so it had been gosh, I don't know, maybe like eight or nine years since I was at UWC. And I went on this hike on Hermit's Peak and like the smell of the pine needles and like the like, I don't know, like the sound of that landscape. Like I just was like, wow, this is where I came of age. This is, and so, yeah. And I think, you know, it's always interesting to me because I grew up in Vegas and Mm -hmm you know, when, when they would have, you know, the other Americans going there, because it is, you know, Vegas is kind of different. We were talking about, you know, on the show and to have a world college with these students from all over the world to be just outside of little Las Vegas. Like it is, it is something a little bit different, but, you know, growing up in Vegas, I got to meet some amazing people because of it. Um, whether, you know, I had uh, some family friends who who had taught there off and on. I had another friend who basically ran a little uh, hostel um, boarding house out of his room, out of his um, house because it was a bigger house, old, the, the old Victorians there. Mm-hmm. And so some of them who weren't traveling back home during breaks and stuff would sometimes mm-hmm. stay there or stay there during longer breaks. And, you know, be able, to be able to meet these people from all over the world. And that was just being on the outside, not not actually Mm -hmm. even being at the school i mean that experience must have been pretty amazing because i mean the the life experiences of all these students from all over i mean i can you talked about kind of the the idea behind it and Mm -hmm. i mean it really does you know push that idea you know getting to know where other people are are coming from yeah I mean I think it has made me like a lot like think about I don't know things in the world in a lot more compassionate terms and a lot more like there are a lot of things that before that experience I never would have like really like attached like a human face to and now I do and even the things where I don't like know a particular student who's affected by them like 
I think like practicing that muscle of being like, oh, this happens to human beings who are pretty similar to me um, is, I mean, pretty valuable and pretty like, yeah, just really special experience. Yeah. Uh, did you guys ever get to use the, uh, the hot springs there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, usually, well, <laughs> we went at night and it wasn't allowed. <laughs> but don't tell. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was, I, I mean, that, like, what? Who gets to go to school in a castle? That's the other thing to the yes. listeners of this podcast. There's a castle. Yeah, the castle. <laughs> and, and that's that's just, you call it the castle. Like, and that's what it is. Yeah. And the history of that place is a whole other, I mean, oh my gosh. a whole other podcast. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Nosferatu was filmed there. Like, just... yeah, and this like weird B horror movie that we would watch every year. I forget what it's called, but like, yeah, like the castle like becomes sentient and like tries to kill everyone, and then there's like a portal to another dimension. Anyways, I do you know uh, what I'm talking about? Have you seen this? I I I'm I'm I'm. It's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look it up afterwards because I'm. Just, we would like... watch it, and then like I'm, I mean, obviously, it's like where like we spent all of our time so like we'd see these rooms that we recognized and be like yeah that's the dining room <laughs> uh it's it's it is definitely you know a, a piece of new mexico history that doesn't really you know from from what it started out with and to what it is now um that a lot of people don't know about uh, yeah yeah but... i mean it's kind of out there like yeah <laughs> I don't think Montezuma's really on anyone's way anywhere. <laughs> no, no. And it's, I mean, and it, when you're going through Vegas, like, and you're going different places, it is, it is not on the, on the roads to those other places. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're going like to Hermit's Peak, basically. Yeah. 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 But uh, worth a stop, I would say. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, or two years of stopping in my case. <laughs> Uh, so after you left the World College, where did you end up going? I went to Stanford. That um, is uh, pretty amazing. Huh? <laughs> I said that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I had a really hard time there, actually. Um, I really felt. I don't. I mean, I think it's like being in your late teens and early twenties. You are often sort of at a juncture in your life where you don't know what's coming next. But I think, particularly in that context, I was around a lot of people who like knew what was coming next for them, but it was like not a thing that I really wanted to be coming next for me. <laughs> and so that was kind of hard for me to sort of make sense of. And so I I ended up getting into the through hiking because I took a year off between my sophomore and junior years, um, and that's when I did the Pacific Crest Trail, and it was like a hugely transformative experience and I think really made me able to go back to Stanford and kind of just like study what I like cared about and like get more into writing and you know get get through the last two years and go on to the rest of my life I think that's great that you're able to I guess recognize that you needed that break and then still come back and and finish that like yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's interesting because I like talk to a lot of people who are like, I'm scared to take time off from school because I'm worried I won't come back. And I, I mean, I, I understand that. But I also sometimes I'm like, well, I mean, if you don't go back, like, that's because you needed to not go back, right? Like you're doing the thing that is like best for you. Um, and you're taking care of yourself, which is like, yeah, I mean, I think like, 
it's interesting, right? Because I've like done this like record and it was all about like doing something that's like terrible for you because you like want to have done it. Um, but I generally think like if you don't want to be doing something, you shouldn't do it. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you picked the pain you wanted, right? Yeah, I did. I did pick that pain. And sometimes I had to remind myself of that. <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was like, I mean, it was, I don't know. I think I talk about it like it sucks so much, but it was not, it was amazing, right? Like I got to be on the Colorado trail in August and June, like, or in July, sorry, like at full moon, like hiking above treeline and these like beautiful ridge lines and like seeing like granite, like, like bushes. And um, I don't know, just was like, so like beautiful and special i'd been so scared of the dark and then i just like kind of got over that fear and like or like was still scared but like just kind of like faced it and like like i saw every single sunrise and every single sunset like the whole time it was out there you know because i was like awake all the time (laughs) um right so that i mean that's really special that's like not an experience everyone gets to get and i'm pretty grateful for that even though a lot of it did suck (laughs) You know, it, it is interesting, you know, when I, when I think about this, like the FKT, like in my own head, I, I, you know, obviously over that many miles, you can only go so fast. So, you know, you are taking in landscape, you are seeing stuff, but sometimes when I think about it, I'm like, I mean, are you really getting to enjoy, you know, what you're seeing? And, but it sounds like you are, it sounds like you did. So, I mean, that that answers that question, but that is cool. Well, okay, I'll say one more thing about this because I feel strongly about this question. All right. Because <laughs> a lot of people, I get that a lot. And I got that even on my through hikes because I was hiking, you know, a bunch of miles per day. Um, and like, first of all, I don't think like sitting at one campsite and then like sleeping for 12 hours a night, you like see everything. Like I, I don't know why I would willingly like hike at night through the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> Um, and so I got to like experience like this whole world of like nature at night when everyone, all the human beings out there were asleep. Right. Um, it was just me and like whatever was hanging out out there. Um, and just, I mean, I think the landscape also, even during the daytime, it was totally like gave me a lot of strength, you know, and being like in these beautiful places and just being like, no, I get to do this. Like, this is not something a lot of people get to do. So that I, Yeah. I did enjoy it, <laughs> even though I was like physically suffering. Mentally, I was thrilled. <laughs> and, you know, I know this question has been asked of you before, but you are doing, you know, creative nonfiction. Mm-hmm. You've had these experiences on the trail. Are those going to be a part of? Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm working on, so I like the way the, uh, the an MFA in nonfiction works is you write like a book manuscript. Um, and so I'm moving into my third year when you really like write a book manuscript <laughs> or like, you know, like basically all you do is write and then teach. Um, and so the, you know, check in with me after the summer, but um, I'm working on a memoir that's sort of like a linked collection of essays that follows mostly my experiences with hiking actually like across the sort of three long trails I did before the Colorado trail. And I think the CT, I mean, until pretty recently, I was feeling like it was such a recent thing that I didn't feel ready to write about it yet. I'm like working on an essay about it right now. Um, that is 
kind of chaos, um, which is, uh, you know, an accepted phase of the writing process, I think. Um, so like TBD, what that essay is about, but I think I've been, a lot of my essays have been about um, sort of like the emotional experiences of like being on these trails or like being a woman in these hyper-masculine spaces or like relationships with people I've had um, like on the trail and sort of like how those were like vexing and interesting taught me about myself or whatever. And with the Colorado trail, I think I'm really trying to learn, see more through the writing about like specifically like the athletic side of this and like being in a body. And I don't know, just like this experience of like, there's so many like weird things that happen like in this like intense endurance like time in terms of like your your mind and your body and like what you know about your own body and what you can't know and like and then like combine that with like the sleep deprivation and like I had like wild deja vu like I just thought I had, like it had all already happened um and I was like so mad that I like wasn't done walking when it had all already happened right just like s- such weird stuff so anyways that's sort of like the like primordial ooze from which maybe an essay will come. <laughs> Stay tuned. Do you write like, I mean, how close after do you take paper and pencil with you to like make notes like on, on these hikes? Do you rely on memory afterward? Like, I guess a little bit in your process on that. Mm, different for the different hikes. Um, I kept a journal. So I did the Pacific Crest Trail in 2016 and I had a journal sometimes, but often didn't. Um, in 2018, I did the Continental Divide Trail and I kept a journal pretty much the whole time. In 2019, I did the, the Appalachian Trail and I recorded audio memos and I thought I was so clever. And then my phone got wet in a thunderstorm and I lost it all. Um, so that was terrible. So on the Colorado trail, I recorded audio memos, but I uploaded them to the cloud <laughs> immediately after recording. Um, and I think that's the paper and pencil is nice. I think it's like a, spe- like a good way for processing in the moment, but on something like the CT, there wasn't really time to be like journaling. And I also was pretty, um, meticulous about weight. <laughs> so like having extra paper and pencil was not really in the program. What brought you back to New Mexico for the um, the master's degree? Because you could have gone, I'm assuming, multiple places. Well, um, I was sort of deciding among places in the Southwest. I basically only applied to pl- like places that were like fully funded, offered nonfiction, and were in like the Mountain West or Southwest. <laughs> um, so I kind of like New Mexico was sort of already that and I mean I think it was stuff about the program like UNM has a great creative writing program I really like the faculty I work with here and um and I also think like when I got in I was waitressing when I got got in um and so I was working a shift and I like halfway through the shift like secretly checked my phone and saw that I had a missed call and was like oh my god like is this from an MFA program because I knew it was like the day that I would hear (laughs) And then I like had to work the rest of the shift and was super distracted. And so then I like finished and I was like walking out into the parking lot and it's like in Vermont in the winter, like totally like frozen world. (laughs) Um, And I like looked at my phone and like had this missed call and this acceptance letter. And I feel like as soon as I, like the idea that I could be in New Mexico for this program, like as soon as I, like it was real to me, I was like, oh, that's where I want to be. I think, I mean, I think there are like, 
I don't know, structural factors, like having the Sandias right here and like having the, you know, and like I have a cousin who lives here and that was kind of special to have family. And like, I just like Albuquerque or I guess I didn't actually know that much about Albuquerque. I'd only been here a couple of times. And like I came from math competitions <laughs> um, and we would go to frontier after, um, but anyways, um, I like it's the idea like of Albuquerque. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I love New Mexico. I, I'm just thrilled to be here. <laughs> and a former mathlete. See, that's something I haven't talked about on any other podcast. So that's <laughs> a running New Mexico exclusive. Uh, United World College, mathlete. And, <laughs> you know, you when you came to Vegas, you know, that's... 6,700 feet. What was that first time at elevation like? I mean, because I, I know you'd, you'd said you had done some hiking and stuff, but truly kind of going up and, and living at elevation, what was that like? Um, That's a good question. I think like, I mean, I remember moving there and just being like so parched. And like, everything was dry and my hair was doing stuff that I didn't understand. <laughs> um, And I think like, I did not like I, I'd been running in high school and I think I didn't run that much like during the two years that I was at UBC for a while. We had this running club. I don't know if you ever had Katrine on the show or she's sort of like a ultra runner from Vegas. Wow. Great person. But she was actually in my first 50 miler at, like at Dead Man's Peaks two years ago was the first ultra I ran and she was there and I was like, oh, hi, do you remember me? And she was like, you're running an ultra. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, OK, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but um so I ran a little bit there but um yeah I don't know if um I feel like I kind of was just I don't know when you're that young like your body is just like bring it on like so I yeah I don't know uh well I am glad that you have fallen in love with New Mexico and you know, to have you in the state and to be doing awesome things. You know, we already talked a little bit about your future writing. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, you're kind of training for something. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? Or is it too early? Oh, <laughs> this will be the first time I've spoken about it, actually. But um, I am training. I'm going to try to do the long trail in Vermont. It's a 285 tra mile trail that runs the length of the state of Vermont um, and that'll be at the end of June so stay tuned folks all right um, that's scary to say out loud that's so scary to say publicly. <laughs> but you, yeah I've been training pretty seriously for that for a couple months now so that's good you got to put your intentions out there right yeah call your shot you know <laughs> uh are you excited to do it because it is kind of going back home Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually when I started thinking about wanting to do a record, a record setting hike, the long trail was always what I was planning to do. But then COVID, like I just didn't feel comfortable going, you know, I'd been going back and forth between Colorado pretty regularly and felt kind of able to like, manage that travel with like pretty little, like exposure to other people. But I didn't feel like I could do that for Vermont. So the Colorado Trail was like weirdly my second choice, even though it was like an amazing trail. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, I think the long trail has been a big goal of mine for a while. And I mean, I don't know, there's a lot, it's a lot like 
less of a window. Like there's a lot more ways that I could fail in this one, but I'm excited for it. That's good. I mean, it sounds like a good challenge. What's what's the elevation like on it? Oh, uh, it averages out to about 240 feet of gain per mile. Um, it's just so the long trail is designed. It's like the first sort of long hiking trail in the, the country, actually. Um, and it's designed to go to every peak in Vermont. And it just goes like from the peak to the valley and then to the next peak and the next valley. Um, so you're always climbing or descending. Um, so it's pretty it's like a pretty brutal trail. Um, I, that sounds pretty brutal. <laughs> Uh, so I'm assuming you're probably practicing a lot of up and down in the Sandias to get those quads ready for it. Well, I should be. <laughs> yeah, no, I am trying to do that. And I'm I'm trying now that I have a little more time to do some of the more like technical, like, you know, like whitewash, watermelon, like those hard trails. Yeah. But um, like, yeah, I'm going back to Vermont in, in June and I'm going to have a couple of solid weeks of training like on the actual trail before I start. So that should hopefully help things. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty massively nervous for it. <laughs> uh, you talked about being busy um, or not as busy now. So obviously with without your um, master's work and your graduate assistant. So, you know, I'm... I'm I still I, have... Grades are due Thursday, so <laughs> try to get those out before then. <laughs> um, but yeah, I turned in my finals on, on, well, accidentally on Saturday. They were due on Friday, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I'm done with that. <laughs> How is that balancing, you know, your own studies with, you know, kind of like almost being like a, well, be, I'm, being a teacher assistant, really? Um, well, with teaching, I mean, it can be hard. Teaching can kind of take over my life. It, like, can take over anyone's life. I mean, I think, like, as graduate workers, we're, like, pretty exploited, right? Um, so, like, yeah, I mean, we just, like, don't really get paid enough for the amount of hours that we work. And then, like, um, frankly, I think, like, well, I mean, because I, we've talked a little bit about this, like, yeah. I've been somewhat a little involved and very supportive of the effort to unionize the graduate students at New Mexico because, I mean, I think it's like a thing that we need. And I think it's also like we are not like as good of teachers as we can be. And I think that so I'm the instructor for these like um, composition courses for freshmen. And I mean, not only freshmen, but some like a lot of freshmen and sophomores like have to take these composition courses and it's kind of like a big intervention in terms of like you know um addressing some of the disparities in like preparation for a UNM and like you know I think it's like a really important class that like could be really helpful and it's like I just do not get paid enough or get enough hours to do that and then like also like do my own writing and my own studies and so yeah I always have a ton on my plate and I'm stressed and <laughs> like exhausted but I guess like I don't know. I think it, it's, I love, I mean, I'm like so happy that I get to study creative writing and I also love, I mean, I do love the teaching. I think it's like a pretty rewarding thing to do with my time. Like it's a good way to earn a paycheck, but um, it's, it can be pretty hard as well. So, Well, I mean, I, I definitely am supportive of you guys. Uh, I mean, I'm a teacher myself and 
I think, I mean, teachers in general in whatever capacity are grossly underpaid. <laughs> yeah. And trying to do that while continuing your own studies is, is hard. I mean, mm -hmm. there's plenty of teachers in, um, you know, outside of like the, the universities who are, you know, working on their masters while they're trying to, you know, hold their own classes and staying on top of grading and staying on top of everything. And it is, um, uh, a lot of underappreciation and undervalue there. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I appreciate your support a lot. That <laughs> means a lot to me. But I also think, like, with the pandemic, too, like, we just had so much, like, work to do. Like, I mean, I was, like, just learning how to teach. I, I taught basically, like, two-thirds of my first year, you know, and then all of a sudden I had to learn how to teach again on Zoom. And that is, like, a huge time commitment. And, like, I think sort of feeling emotionally invested in our students' well-being and then, like, having to manage that. All Anyways, it's, it's been hard. It's been really hard. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, being a younger person, as most of the graduate students are, like, that some of maybe the older professors who weren't as familiar with, te with technology were leaning on you guys to kind of show them how to even work the platform much less mm -hmm. you know the teaching part yeah i mean i think it was also like because the faculty has a union they were able to advocate for themselves and be like we will not teach in person um and because we weren't yet unionized there was some scary time where it felt like it might like because unm for a variety of reasons wants to offer some in-person classes there was sort of this this feeling of like we have no way to like <laughs> protect ourselves from being forced to do this um and that was definitely like for me felt really kind of scary and yeah it just didn't make me feel super valued or like respected <laughs> i i hear you on that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm sure i'm sure you have your own stories you can tell as well yeah. Ooh, it's been a it's been a harrowing couple of months <laughs> slash year. Uh, there are plenty of teachers with not enough soapboxes. So <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for giving me a couple minutes on your podcast to rant. Oh no problem. I, I mean, there's there's a few teachers on here that listen, and so I'm sure they they sympathize as well. Yeah, thanks, um, fellow teachers. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, on that cheerful note, I think that's a great place to wrap up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I do want to ask, I do want to, you know, last question I ask everybody, mm -hmm. and that is, you know, what are you listening to to kind of get you pumped, get you motivated, get you out the door for that run or get your break from grading all those papers? <laughs> Uh, well, recently I've been pulling a lot of like late nights doing grading and homework. And I've been listening to a lot of like, um, pop hits with female vocalists from the early 2000s. <laughs> um, so I've been getting like, I don't know, like Avril Lavigne, Kelly Clarkson. Um, who's that? Who wrote that breakaway song that people like feel you rain on your face? <laughs> um, but yeah, um... big, big, big Avril fan <laughs> at the moment. Oh, Avril Lavigne. It's been a while yeah. since I... When's the last time you heard Avril Lavigne, though? You hear it and you're just like, oh, I remember all these words, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, I will have to find a good one because I do a, a playlist for this. So I'll have to find a good Avril Lavigne <laughs> yeah. one there. 
Probably Skater Boy, because that's the one that I, comes to the top of my... It's a, it's a classic. <laughs> it's got great narrative structure, you know. <laughs> really respected as a creative writer. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, is there anything else you want to say before I let you go? just acknowledge that I was on like largely Ute land um, when I was on the Colorado trail. And obviously we're on like to a land here doing the podcast. Um, and yeah, I mean, a lot of that land is like stolen or like unseated. So that's what I'd like to add. I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time, and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts, or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at RunningNewMexico at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.